do please uh, be taking up uh, Habakkuk, page 941 in your Bibles. And uh, I suspect it may be helpful to you to have a copy of the sermon outline that you got in your sheet of papers as you arrived. Well, as we uh, home in on Habakkuk this week, we find him at the beginning of chapter 2 on sentry duty. He's metaphorically standing on the walls of Jerusalem uh, on guard, looking not for an enemy, but looking and longing for the word of God in response to him. Uh, If you were uh, not with us last week, uh, some words of context may help. Uh, Habakkuk is the prophet or spokesman of the Lord. And uh, in chapter 1, we had him cry out to the Lord. He himself and the other righteous people in Judah had been suffering uh, great injustice at the hands of their fellow countrymen. Uh, They were being uh, hard-pressed, hemmed in by the wicked, and justice was being perverted. And he cried out to the Lord, how long have we got to wait for you to do something? And in verse uh, 5 of chapter 1, the Lord responds to Habakkuk and he says, uh, Habakkuk, uh, you're going to be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something absolutely stunning. It's already in the process of happening and it's going to happen through a small nation, a nation that's small at the moment but will soon be huge, the Babylonians. And uh, as Habakkuk hears this, uh, he's utterly perplexed and he complains in verse uh, 12 onwards. He says, look, Something a bit like this. He says, look, Lord, I know that you're the holy God. I know that you cannot look on evil. And uh, yet I cannot understand how you will use a far more wicked nation, the Babylonians, to bring judgment on a less wicked nation, your people, Judah. Just can't seem to reconcile that, Lord. Please help me. And uh, I guess as we hear those words of Habakkuk, we feel that, um, I don't know about you, I feel increasingly hemmed in by an unchristian society, uh, a government making uh, increasingly unchristian laws. We see brothers and sisters around the world increasingly persecuted for Christ, under attack in uh, Africa, in Nigeria, in Sudan, in China, in Indonesia, and in the Middle East. Let me just uh, read to you some words uh, from evangelicals now. Uh, I don't know whether you uh, read it. They've got a section each month called uh, The World in Brief. And it's so helpful to bring us up to speed on what's going on around the world. And it tells us some uh, pretty horrific stories uh, of uh, how God's church is being persecuted around the world. Here's some news from Vietnam. It was in uh, evangelicals now uh, in the May edition. Vietnam. Suffering severe abuse from villagers and local officials, Hum Christian Sung Chu Po, and I'll call him Po after this, uh, he fled into the forest with his family on March the 19th. An expulsion order had been issued to his family. Po, who embraced Christianity in November, was badly beaten and has suffered physical attacks by police since that time. The Christian leader said police threatened that if he did not recant, they would beat him till only his tongue was intact. 
as we hear those words of gross injustice. We want to join with Poe and his family, with Habakkuk and with the rest of God's people throughout time and cry out to you, Lord, we long for justice. We wait with Habakkuk, anticipating his response as to how he will judge the unjust. And that's what we find in the bulk of our verses this morning. Uh, Verse 2 of chapter 2, the Lord replies. And our first point this morning is the Lord's revelation of the future. For that's what we're told this is in verses 2 and 3. We don't know how long Habakkuk had to wait for the Lord to reply. But the Lord does so. And just note as we start out again that uh, the Lord doesn't rebuke Habakkuk. Habakkuk's complaint or concern to the Lord about uh, this sort of seeming uh, imbalance between what the Lord is going to do and the Lord's character. He doesn't rebuke him because Habakkuk isn't doubting or denying God's sovereignty. He's just perplexed about what seems to be a contradiction. And as we uh, see in the Lord's reply, there is no contradiction at all. So what does the Lord say? Uh, Verse 2, we see that uh, the Lord's reply is both important and urgent Important because he says to Habakkuk to make sure that it's written down on tablets. To make sure that there's no misunderstanding of the revelation. He also tells uh, Habakkuk to make sure that a herald is ready to run with it because it's an urgent word. He doesn't want any possibility of people missing out on the revelation either. As a staff, uh, one of the things we often talk about uh, at uh, our meetings is publicity. And uh, I have to admit that I've got quite a soft spot for uh, the uh, large sign down here on the corner between Forward Road and uh, Canterbury Avenue. And uh, I often see it, as the rest of us do, but perhaps I I slightly more passionately, I don't know why. But we see it as another means of declaring the gospel and of drawing people in to hear the gospel proclaimed. And we often wrestle with the issue of, uh, well, how much can we put on that poster to make sure that people can see it? Because uh, we want people to see it whether they're walking past, cycling past, uh, driving past in a car, or also uh, in a bus. And the same issue is for Habakkuk here. Uh, He wants to ensure that the revelation from the Lord is written down so that everybody can see it and take it in. And so uh, I had this sort of peculiar vision or, or, or view of this herald running around with this massive great signpost held probably on his shoulder. He probably should be somebody who should be at the Olympics for one of the weightlifting events as well as the endurance running events. Running all the way around through Judah with this massive great signpost with the Lord's revelation on it. It's an important word. It's an urgent word. And in verse 3 we also see that it's a word about the future. Verse 3 says this, The revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So Habakkuk learns that the Lord's revelation, it won't be fulfilled immediately. In fact, Habakkuk and his fellow believers were going to have to wait years and years Not only until uh, Babylon invaded their own land, which they would do, but also uh, they had to then wait through exile, 70 years in exile. 
Only then would they see the immediate fulfilment of these verses as, as Judah is judged, but also as Babylon is then judged for what they have done. You see there in, at the end of chapter 1, verse 11, though the Lord used them, the Babylonians, as his instrument, yet they are guilty. They are guilty people. But you see, what uh, the Lord wants Habakkuk to know and wants all of us to know about his word is that though there may be a weight, that doesn't mean to say that the revelation is false. Uh, Over the years, uh, Ali and I have uh, flown across to uh, Northern Ireland to see uh, family. And um, in general, our plans have gone pretty well. However, uh, on coming up to Sheffield, uh, our travelling to Northern Ireland hasn't been quite so easy Uh, There are lots and lots of airports around, don't get me wrong, Uh, but often they only have one or two flights a day, both to and from Belfast. And that means that when a flight is delayed, there can be serious repercussions. And uh, those of you that have been trying to get flights uh, recently will know that uh, more recently the problems have been due to the ash cloud, and only a few months ago it was problems due to the snow. And so constantly on uh, on the boards, the schedules for flights say delayed delayed and we never know whether that delay is going to be a permanent delay or a temporary one whether the flight that shadows is going to happen and take off or not but you see that's not the case with the Lord and with his revelation his revelation is guaranteed the wait for it to happen does not mean it's cancelled And of course that's great news for Habakkuk, isn't it? Great news for him and for the other godly righteous people in Judah. They can trust God to deliver. The justice that he is going to speak of soon will come. That Babylon will be judged. They are still answerable to the Lord. And so you see, even now we begin to see how what perplexed Habakkuk is being resolved. God will bring justice. And we're going to see how he'll do that a little bit later on. I think this is great encouragement to us too today, isn't it? It's great encouragement to Habakkuk and to the righteous of his day, but also to us today and throughout time. We, like Habakkuk, struggle, don't we, with the age-long problem of evil and how and when God will bring justice The truth is that these verses tell us that justice will come. It was going to come to Judah. And we, of course, live the other side of the events that happened to Judah and to Babylon. We know that the initial peak of fulfilment, if you like, of these verses was fulfilled. We know, too, how they were fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why uh, Peter, in his letter, which... Uh, Simon read to us part of in chapter 3. Peter reminds us that waiting for the Lord is not hopeless waiting, but hopeful waiting. And uh, indeed, if you were to look in uh, Revelation chapter 18, that points and speaks of that final day of judgment, that the final fulfilment of, of Habakkuk's revelation here, the end the final end, is described in terms of Babylon falling. No coincidence. And so you see that means that Christians throughout time 
don't have to take justice into our own hands. We can allow God to be the judge of the unjust. We can trust the one, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save the wicked, to judge the wicked if they have not turned back to him. Indeed, uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, Peter's first letter, says these words about how the Lord Jesus himself faced injustice. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. For by his wounds you have been healed. That is the mark of the true person of God, isn't it? Entrusting ourselves to the one who judges justly. And so the uh, Lord's revelation of the future, it's important to everyone. It's urgent, but it is certain, even though there will be a wait. And the question is, how are we going to wait for God's justice? How are Poe and his family going to wait? How are you and I, if we are facing injustice in our families, in our own situations, wherever they may be, how are we going to wait for God's justice? And that's the next part of the Lord's revelation here. It comes in verses 4 and 5. And we see that there are two ways, two ways to wait. If you go down to uh, the bus station or to the airport or to the railway station, you'll see all sorts of people waiting for all kinds of different modes of transport. And uh, if you have a look at the people there, uh, none of them are waiting in the same way. They're all doing something different. Some are on their phones to loved ones. Others are doing business. Uh, some of them are uh, playing on their Blackberries. Uh, others are uh, doing the local or the Sudoku. Some are reading a novel. Some are uh, reading newspapers. Some people like me are doubting whether the uh, means of transport is going to arrive at all. And others never doubt at all. Lots of ways to wait for transport. However, when it comes to the Lord's revelation and its fulfilment, there are only two ways to wait. Just two ways. And we see them both here. And the first uh, we find in verse 4 is, is the, the wicked way. The way of the wicked. Uh, the wicked, this is how they wait. They're puffed up. Uh, they're, they strut around like peacocks. They, uh, their desires are not upright. They, they don't wait on what the Lord has said. They're people who uh, we've been introduced to in uh, chapter 1, 1 verse 7. They're a law unto themselves and they promote their own honour. Verse 11. They're people whose strength is their own God. They listen to no one but themselves. They ride roughshod over everybody else. Proud peacocks. And yet what such people are going to do is they're going to try and hide the, the truth about God's revelation from themselves. So verse uh, 5, uh, they indulge in wine. They try to hide from themselves, to mask what the Lord's revelation is. They behave like ostriches. They put their heads into the sand and pretend that there's no danger around. 
Hope it's going to go away. And it won't. It won't. So often that's the truth, isn't it? When people find something that they really can't grasp, that they really don't like, they want it to go away. And so often in this world, people turn to alcohol at that time. They want to avoid facing up to the truth because it's often very painful and very personal. And such people continue about their lives, trying to satisfy themselves with whatever way they can. And so, in verse 5, these greedy people just go on, never satisfied, gathering to themselves all that they want and taking captive the peoples of the world. Such people refuse to acknowledge the Lord and his revelation. They laugh at the thought, even, of a day when God will bring justice. Many people throughout history have been like that, haven't they? They hear the truth about God, the revelation of who he is, declared fully and finally in and through his son, Jesus Christ. The revelation of his justice as well, brought through Jesus' death on the cross, and which will be brought finally to fulfillment when he returns as judge. They hear the truth of that, and yet they run the opposite direction. They bury their heads in the sand, and they turn away from it. Governments do it. Individuals do it. And if there's anyone here this morning who is doing that today, please can I implore you, stop. Stop trying to ignore God's word. Stop running. You cannot change God's word by ignoring it or not facing up to it. But you can change the outcome. You can change the outcome by turning to Jesus in faith and repentance. That's how to face this outcome with confidence. So there's a first way to wait, ignoring God and his revelation. That's the way of the wicked. But there's a second way to wait, and that's the way of the righteous. Second half of uh, verse 4. But the righteous will live by his faith. I guess if we're honest, this is probably one of the uh, best-known bits of Habakkuk. If you've never read Habakkuk before, this might have been a verse that you have heard of because it appears three times in the New Testament. Before looking at those uh, occurrences, it's worthwhile just noting that the word that Habakkuk uses for faith here comes from the uh, same root word from which we get the word Amen. The faithful people are those who trust who believe in, who accept and acknowledge that God's word will come true. And so when we prayed earlier, we pray amen because we believe and trust these things will happen under God's sovereignty. And so this uh, verse 4, this verse 4 means literally this. It says that the righteous, those who are right with God, those who have been set right with him, will live by faithful, steadfast trusting in the word of God. That is how to wait for the Lord's justice. When all around you is violence and injustice, when you're being wronged, and I don't know what personal situation you are in this morning, but I guess each of us feels that there is some injustice that we have faced because we are a Christian person. This is how to wait, trusting in God's justice. In uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul quotes this verse, And he makes the point that, uh, actually, the true believer in God, from the beginning, 
has had to trust God's word. That our right standing, our righteousness with God, the foundation for our relationship with him, begins right in the first place with trust upon that word. It is based on believing his promises in Jesus Christ. So uh, in Romans 1.17, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Start off that way. That is the sign of the righteous, isn't it? The people who have been set right, believed in the gospel, and continue to believe in it. That's where Galatians 3.11, Paul quotes that verse again. The true believer, not only in the first place, begins by believing God's word, but they continue to trust God's word. They know that they cannot uh, get by, they cannot make themselves right with the law. So Galatians 3.11 says this, clearly no one is justified before God by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. They'll start off living and they will continue by living that way. There's no change. And then finally the writer to the Hebrews, Hebrews 10.38 says that the mark of the true believer is that they go on living by faith throughout their lives. They go on trusting the word of the God right from the beginning, right the way through to the end. So Hebrews 10.38 My righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. The writer is trying to say, look, keep on going. Keep on going to the end. Don't shrink back. And so the righteous, the righteous will wait trusting and believing the word of God and keeping on doing so, trusting in the beginning, in the middle and right the way through to the end. Waiting, waiting and waiting but trusting and trusting and trusting. So that means uh, we can hold our tongue in the office when someone perhaps makes us the butt of their jokes because we are living and standing up for Christ. Or because we don't enter into gossip about other people. Or perhaps because we don't tell lies to cover up our mistakes. It means we can and will trust the God of justice to bring justice rather than taking it into our own hands. Even when our government legislates against Christians and against Christ. Even if your friends desert you and pick on you. We will trust the Lord for his justice. That means that we aren't going to panic, are we, when we hear of of Christians being persecuted either in this country or abroad. We can be doing something to help. We can be encouraging them to remember that God is the God of justice, to pray for God's sovereignty, to pray for God's rescue, to pray for his people's patience and endurance as they wait. And the the reason why the righteous can do this is because of what comes next in God's revelation. Very quickly as we uh, move towards the end, five woes for the wicked, three realities for the righteous. Five woes for the wicked. Uh, Verse 6 begins like this. It begins with words, Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn? What uh, the Lord is revealing here is that actually uh, those people who are themselves the butt of injustice will actually be singing the song to the unjust. 
They will be, uh, say, they will be uh, singing the victory song because they know that in the future, victory is assured through God. That is what is going on here. Those who are being oppressed can sing as though they are victorious. And that's what's going on exactly here. They will taunt him and ridicule and scorn. And what comes next are five woes, time and time again. Each woe tells of injustice and wickedness done by the Babylonians in the first instant, but perpetuated by others throughout the centuries. And every single woe shows how things will be reversed through the Lord's justice. At the end of, uh, the, of World War I, there was uh, a, a U-boat surfaced in, uh, the, in uh, the Atlantic and uh, it spied its target and uh, uh, its surface took its aim and launched its torpedo. And the torpedo zipped off towards this ship and the crew of the U-boat got up on, on, on deck and watched this happening. And then to their absolute horror, they saw the torpedo turn 180 degrees and come speeding back towards them. That is what the Lord is saying is going to happen in these woes. His justice will reverse injustice. So uh, let's look at these woes very quickly, one by one. The first woe in verses 6 to 8, you might say it's a, it's a woe to those who covet and plunder others. Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long is this going to go on for? Verse 7. Your debtors will suddenly arise. They'll wake up and make you tremble. Then you will become their victim. Verse 8. Because you have plundered many, well, those people are going to plunder you. For you have shed man's blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. God turns the tables. God will bring justice. There is no escape. Woe to those people, to nations, to businesses, to individuals. The tables will be turned. And then the second woe, verse 9 to 11. Woe to those who are self-sufficient and secure. Verse 9. Woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain, to set his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. They think that no one can knock them off their pedestal. They think that they're safe and secure. But verse 10, you have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. In fact, verse 11, even the walls and the beams are going to cry out your guilt. God will bring justice. There'll be no escape. The evidence is there. And then the third woe, verse 12, Woe to the tyrants. Woe to him who builds a city by bloodshed and establishes a town by crime. Why woe? Well, because the Lord Almighty, verse 13, has determined that people's labour is only fuel for the fire. That nations exhaust themselves for nothing. You can't take it with you when you go. They're of no, no eternal use. Just destined for the fire. And why? Well, because of verse 14. Die, I mentioned it in, in our prayers this morning. For one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. You see, that is where history is headed. So why act now as if it's not going that way? There's no point. No point in burying your head in the sand. 
You're either going to be part of that, longing for it to come, or woe is going to come to you. And then the fourth woe, verse 15. Woe to those who degrade others. If they were going to put uh, 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 those um, ratings on Bible passages, this probably should have an X rating or 18 rating because of how awful it is. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it from wineskins till they're drunk so that they can gaze on their naked bodies. How awful. Yet God says, you will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it's your turn. Drink. And they're going to have to drink the cup of God's wrath and be exposed to God's wrath. Disgrace will clover their glory. Verse 16. Verse 17. Violence you've done will overwhelm you. Destruction will terrify you. The tables will be turned. And then the fifth woe, verse 18. Woe to those who worship idols, who worship others than the Lord. Just see here how pointless it is to have idols, to worship anything, whether it's uh, idols that you make with your hands or your career or whatever it is, your ambitions. Of what use or value is an idol since a man has carved it or an image that teaches lies? For he who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. You can't say to wood, come to life. You can't say to stone, wake up. None of those things can give you guidance. None of them can speak. There is no breath in any of them. But, verse 20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Do you see the contrast? Here is the living Lord God speaking. He has spoken. These are his words. Let everyone be silent before him. Listen to him. As woe after woe is pronounced here, it's, it's a bit like nails going into a coffin. Bang, 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 bang. Babylon is going to be judged. It's a word against them. It's a word against the corrupt and wicked of Judah. It's a word against all who would set themselves up against the one true God. It's a word of warning. It's a word that should concern all and any who rebel against God and his ways and his people. That justice will be done. That God will judge. And his judgment will not go away just because people put their heads in the sand and pretend it's not there. So five woes, God's revelation. Wake up. Stop turning away from the Lord and turn back to him. And then some words, uh, three realities for the righteous. Three realities for the righteous. The first concerns the wicked. I don't know about you, but as we look around the world, as you see, the wicked seem to prosper and regimes that are so wicked seem to stay intact. As we see fat cats in this nation uh, taking money for themselves whilst others go impoverished. Well, the reality is that one day those wicked will be judged. Justice will be done. And that, I hope, is great comfort to you. 
Great comfort. God is just and his justice will prevail. So we must wait and trust him, mustn't we? We must be patient. We must endure injustice, violence, pain and suffering. Even this week as you go about your daily lives, endure it because we know, you know, the Lord has spoken, justice will be done. But whilst, whilst this should be a source of comfort, it also should be a source of great compassion for us. You see, as we hear those woes upon the wicked, we must be remember, we must remember and we must be moved to pray for them. Do you remember those words that uh, Simon read to us from 2 Peter 3? The Lord does not want any to perish, but that all, all should come to repentance. And that is true on the, the macro scale, our nations and the nations of the world, down to the smaller scale of, of Sheffield and our parish, and the smaller scale still, our own personal place of work, our neighbourhood and our relatives. These woes tell us that no one, none of them is going to escape. And that should move us with compassion to pray for them. To witness to them regardless of the consequences. That is the first reality concerning the wicked. The second reality concerns the world. Verse 14. Just turn back to it. This is where history is headed. This is where the world is headed. To that great and glorious time when all the wicked and rebellion against God will be over and the whole earth will exhibit his glory. That's a great future to look forward to, isn't it? One day all the pain and suffering God's people have experienced will be over and we will be with him and that will happen as and when the Lord Jesus returns. It's happening now though, isn't it? As we look around us, we see God's kingdom extending and it will continue to do so until that day. Uh, I was really surprised just as uh, I read uh, that article about uh, Vietnam. In Iran, it's reported that Christianity is growing, even as the government's agenda grows more radical. Glimpses, glimpses of verse 14 coming to fruition, but one day it will do. And I hope and pray that is a great comfort to you and that that will spur you on this week to live for him with that in view like the winning post of the marathon is in sight. Keep it there. And then the third reality concerns the word of the living God. Verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. On this Pentecost Sunday, the reality is that God lives in us by his spirit. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And as we have heard God's word, we must allow the spirit of God to take the word of God to do the work of God. God's word is clear to us this morning. And we should be silenced before it. Silenced in humility. Silenced in faith that we will be the righteous who live by faith. There are two ways to wait for this revelation to come true. Living by faith or living in arrogance. Let's be those who live as the holy people of God, as the righteous. Just as uh, Peter says in uh, his uh, second letter, 
That's why we read right to the uh, end of verse 13. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Let's be those who believe in it, trust in it, and live by it. Let's pray. From the breaking of the dawn to the setting of the sun, I will stand on every promise of your word. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this urgent, important, vital word concerning justice and true justice. And we pray that you would help each one of us to respond, that we might live as the righteous do by faith, Please give us confidence in it and help us, Lord, to live this week. Indeed, help us to put in place the building blocks of living a life lived out in faith, trusting totally and utterly that your word will come true, trusting totally and utterly in your ultimate justice. Please, Lord, may we do that this week and forevermore. Amen.